Good afternoon. Can you guys hear me okay? Sounds good? Okay. I sat in the front row on the other day, so it's really, it's pretty loud in the front, so I'm just going to make sure everybody in the corner can hear me. We're good. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Chris Bass. I'm from the digital business team with Siemens Logistics. Uh, what I'll talk about today is supply chain digitalization and how to keep this simple. Uh, but more importantly, the, the central theme to this presentation is about you can't do this without technology and the people behind it. Okay, so before I get started, I want to commend you guys uh, for coming uh, to Modex. I realize there's a lot of buzz around CV or coronavirus, as I was told, but you decided to come here and find something for your business or find a solution for whatever you're looking for. So I want to recognize you for coming, whether it was yesterday and today. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. So we're going to talk a little bit about supply chain digitalization and how to keep it simple, but we'll dive into two particular use cases. One around project logistics. Is anybody familiar with project logistics? One, two people. And then we'll dive into more standard logistics, okay? So does anybody know the difference between digitization and digitalization? Yeah? Or is it just two, word, two buzzwords and whatever? So just to, to quickly recap, digitization is about the automation of those manual tasks to really the subtasks that go on in here every single day, right? The digitalization portion is about how deep we can go into the business or within the supply chain to really drive these insights, to really gain visibility into maybe some new markets that may not have existed, maybe some new customers they might, may not have existed. So our first use case is gonna take us down to the jungles of Brazil. So if you're ready, Grab your bags, grab some water, definitely some bug spray, because you're gonna need it. We're gonna go visit uh, our, our first uh, use case. But a couple things to take away from today. Uh, most importantly, that within this complex world of digitalizing your supply chain and how complex things can be, there is a simple way to do this. Uh, and that by identifying that simple way, we can start to build momentum and really start to get creative on, on how we can uh, get deep inside the, the supply chain. So like I said, let's head on down to Brazil where we're gonna meet uh, this OEM that specializes in the transmission of power. So sometimes projects can range from two to four years or they can take place in the midst of the jungle 40 miles inland or they can take place in densely populated areas like downtown Atlanta or San Francisco or Chicago for that matter or they can take place offshore. So when you look at the standard flow how a simple project is, is managed like this with the data flow. You have all of these nodes along the chain that are creating data. Whether it's electronic or manual, everybody is creating data. The other factor to take into consideration is that some suppliers may or may not have the capacity or the availability or the technology to meet some of those customer requirements. Another thing to take into consideration when they do this project. The other thing to also take into consideration are the lead times around some of these products. Some of them could be 13, 14 months, and you're also bidding on a project maybe even a year out. So there's a lot to organize just on the front end between engineering, purchasing, and logistics. The traditional way on how they did this was through Excel sheets. Sending these all across the globe, and you guys know what happens with Excel sheets, there's a high probability of errors to occur, right? So. You have to get away from the PDF, you have to get away from the Excel sheet, or the Word documents, or anything else that is still very manual, and try to, try to automate this, or try to provide some sort of 
controls and validation around this data. So in any project engineering and purchasing are working directly with the customer to shape this project to kind of get an idea of how this is going to go and eventually you add in logistics to start moving this down to the job site. The other component about this is that this is a global company so they're working in remote areas all across the globe. So we're also dealing with different languages. Not English, not German, we could be dealing in this case Portuguese. So how do you effectively translate some of these documents to help those guys on the job site? So in this case, in my opinion, you have to begin with the end in mind. So when we look at project logistics versus kind of the standard logistics is that you're creating this one, this one solution for this one particular project and then we're on to the next one. So the people that you're using in this project may or may not be applied to the next one. The relationships that you're building with them may or may not be useful on the next project. So, so how do you manage all of this? The suppliers are different, the products are different, the logistics people are different. So how do you take all this consideration? How do you, how do you manage this and everything starts from scratch? So for supply chain people, this really limits your ability to adapt to the next project, to, to apply these lessons learned. Sure, there's things you're gonna learn along the way in, in managing these projects, but at the same time, there's very minimal amount of knowledge and experience you can apply to the next job. So, what do you do? Well, with technology, you use a cloud-based system that provides that central point of access for people to harmonize data, be able to access and share documents in real time all across the globe to minimize the amount of manual work that goes into managing a lot of these documents. So ultimately it begins with somebody inside the organization as it did with this OEM to really drive this kind of change that if they are going to remain competitive in their market they can't continue to do things the way they've always done them. You can't continue to manage this project especially several years out strictly on the Excel sheets and PDF documents. So how do you do this? Well you unify that vision, everybody gets on the same page Watch out. Everybody gets on the same page about how this is going and really kind of unite on this vision of how this can be possible. So, and be bold. This is, requires change and change is very uh, against the grain of, of how people behave, right? So for this particular OEM, it's mapping out the process. You guys are familiar with process maps, right? Mapping out the process, getting the transparency around the as is, how we're doing this now. What can we do differently? How can we introduce this technology to make us more efficient? So mapping out the process, and then within this project, validating pack lists from suppliers. The suppliers were traditionally sending this information through a PDF document. So you have to unconvert that PDF document to be installed into the Excel sheet. Well, by adding in technology this cloud-based solution, you can validate that information from the supplier. So they can upload a PDF, and the technology does all this work for them. The other portion too is that when you're working with logistics providers, they more, more times than not will have their own solution. So all that tracking data is very isolated to their systems. So being able to connect with those providers, whether it's EDI or creating a web portal, it's that one central point to where everybody has access to this information to see exactly how things are moving to the job site and across the globe. The other thing too is to be able to manage the returns because not every shipment is gonna go the way that it, it needs to. So the returns or the shortages to be able to quickly manage this so you are able to hit those deadlines. So whenever they build these substations, 
the ability to hand over the keys to the, to the customer at the very end to turn the power on to start making money. If they don't meet, excuse me, if they don't meet that deadline, obviously there's huge penalties that come along with that. So obviously the reduction in manual labor helps tremendously to be able to automate some of these subtasks and be able to reduce the, the time and then increase transparency on where this is at. This is pretty fundamental in, in any kind of business right now, any visibility on where this product is, when I can expect it. And the other portion too is this easy and centralized way to onboard new providers. So your suppliers and your carriers from the project, you have now a standard process to introduce the next team for the next project. And a lot of times these projects are overlapping. So now we're done with Brazil. We're going to jump back out. We're going to come up to uh, Motor City. We're going to talk about a, a tier one automotive supplier that had a similar challenge in how to manage this data, but they had a very unique approach in how they got there. So with this manufacturer, their typical schedule of trucks was five trucks a day, five days a week. Whether I'm shipping out 40,000 pounds on Monday or 400 pounds on Friday, they were still sending out a full truck. And if anybody's worked in brokerage and transportation, if a broker knows or the truck driver knows that there's more space in that truck and I have more time, they will take advantage of that opportunity to make more money. Because in that business, margins are tight. So for this, for this automotive supplier, it was about getting control and visibility into their demand and being able to tie that back to those scheduled trucks. So a typical process with the plant at the top, the customer, the tier one the, on the right, and the carrier down over here. So the challenges here, the supplier's IT maturity. Some of these plants don't have the capability to send EDI files back and forth with, with their customer. So it's really limited on their ability to be more, be more efficient. And some of these suppliers can only generate delivery notes for the high volume suppliers who only have the capability to, to generate these delivery notes. Uh, and then as I talked about just a moment ago, the demand versus scheduled trucks. This really wasn't matching up and there was really an excess spend on transportation. And then as I mentioned with the other project, the 3PLs, they have their own solution. So at the same time, they had this IT maturity that they can't, excuse me, monitoring is isolated to those 3PLs, whether they're using their own system or using some sort of off-the-shelf solution, very isolated to, to those systems. So how do you develop a solution around this? Well, we created a delivery schedule for this tier one and tying the demand back to the truck to make sure that we're shipping out the right amount every single time. So versus when it was five trucks a day for five days a week, and maybe five trucks for the first two days, but then we start to scale it down on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it could be three, two, and two trucks as well. Significantly reduce the amount of money we're spending on transportation, also providing visibility for their customer as well. Creating these delivery notes already in the system that everybody can access, whether, again, it's a web portal or communication via EDI and also creating documents and labels for these, for these packages. So by utilizing the weights and the dimensions of the package, we can determine the cubic volume or the utilization for that particular truck. So that way when the truck is, is on site, they know exactly how much they're getting so the truck driver doesn't have to go off site to scale and say, I'm at 38,000 pounds or whatever the weight might be. And then finally, when we come over to the 3PL or the transportation provider, we now have access to this tracking data. Now we have access to providing or creating carrier scorecards 
And in this particular instance, because we helped them identify uh, or helped them improve their connectivity with their carrier, they actually took a carrier off this particular lane and put in somebody else that was performing a little better. So there's a couple wins that they got along the way. Obviously, the feedback loop to truck utilization and the reduction in, in transportation costs, but uh, also developing the carrier scorecards to see how their network is performing. Another added bonus to a piloted project. The other thing, too, is that we really didn't expect in this project is there was still a master data problem. Yes, we helped them with truck utilization, and that reporting was good, but as we dove deeper into the data, some of the weights on these products are still at zero. That's incorrectly affecting the utilization numbers. So, and what's also interesting is that those utilization numbers are tied to plant performance. So if the guys on the floor can't trust the numbers coming from supply chain, that affects my performance and my metrics and, and however I'm incentivized and rewarded in my job. So now we're actually touching the lives of the guys on the floor versus just a simple truck utilization in this cloud-based system. So the quick wins, visibility of transportation costs and improved financial planning, obviously accounting has a better idea of, of how much transportation is gonna cost uh, on the front end. 20% uh, reduction in transportation, that was actually identified inside the pilot, which ran about four to five months. So we estimated 20%, they estimated 30, but who's gonna argue? And then finally, after this pilot project running four or five months, the customer decided to scale this solution for full truckload in North America, uh, as well as Europe. So again, how did we get here? How did the customer find the motivation to, to deploy this cloud technology to really help, help their business. Um, ERPs are only gonna carry you so far. Uh, they're only gonna be able to manage parts of your transportation or parts of your planning uh, of your supply chain. And that's where you really have to introduce uh, technology, whether it's cloud-based or on-prem, whatever fits your business. It's really trying to find out how a technology can carry you, not necessarily three years from now, but five, six, seven years from now. But more importantly, adding the flexibility into your business, especially now. All these conferences talk about disruption, but you weren't truly disrupted until you saw the effects of the coronavirus. So how do you plan for that? You try to mitigate that. You can't mitigate it with your ERP. You have to mitigate it with technology. So where do you start? Well, I think it's, it, it starts by getting curious, really diving into the process, really understanding the why behind the process. Why are we doing it this way? And see if we can do it a better way. Is there a better way to do this? How are we exchanging information internally? How are we exchanging information externally? Can we optimize this some way? Is there some younger talent inside the organization that may have some ideas on how we can do this better? So once we have an idea of, of where we can go and we've started to establish this, this vision that I talked about, then we can really get targeted and narrowed in on, on how we can win. So in the case of the tier one, it's truck utilization and, and hitting those metrics and then whatever else may come along with that. And as we really identify and get focused on, on this objective and we, we start to gain momentum, we start to build confidence in what we're doing, we really start to develop trust with our partner that is helping us with this solution, then we can start to dream about the other things that are possible like blockchain, like AI, like machine learning inside the supply chain. We want you to get to that point. We want you to be able to implement some of these things, but you cannot do that 
unless you are addressing a master data problem. Because if you're taking this bad master data, you're feeding these AI models, it's not gonna give you the results you're looking for. So being able to peel back the layers, getting curious on this data that is inside your organization, and start to ask questions. And then we can start dreaming. Then we can start taking the operation to new heights. For me, I think it's about leadership, and whether it's you or anybody inside your organization, it's about finding the right leader that can really drive this change. I'm a huge World War II buff. General, General MacArthur is probably one of the people that I read about the most in, in studying history. I think he, he really embodies kind of the kind of leader that is required to really drive change inside of your organization. Processes are there for a reason, sure. But getting curious about them, how to maybe adapt them to this new world, really can provide you a huge win. So if you'd like to learn more about the stories that we have across all, all aspects of the supply chain, please come visit us uh, at our booth. We'll be here today and tomorrow. So if you have any questions, free to take. Not everybody raise your hand at once. So you're asking if the supply chain has been resistant to, to work? Honestly, no. Uh, I think a lot of the teams that we've worked with, they seem very uh, unified on what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, some of those internal challenges they've, I think, resolved or have resolved up until the point where we've really these solutions, um, but I think there's there's some involvement on our part to be able to challenge that a little bit to get them to effectively change uh, kind of how they're doing those things. Um, but projects that I've been involved in, no, everybody seems to really be on the same page and really kind of dedicated to to getting this done. Um, I mean, if you're not doing it now, then when? You know, we're talking about OEMs that are still doing load tendering. I mean, to me, OEMs would be on the forefront of, of some of this technology, but we're still talking about the very basic things uh, of managing the supply chain, managing the logistics. So um, I think those problems are always present, um, but once they come to the point about identifying what they really want to get out of it, those problems have already been dealt with. So, I mean, is that something that you see inside your own organization? Too, it's it's really identifying who those stakeholders are going to be in this process. I mean, it's everybody from 
from the director or VP level all the way down. Everybody has a stake in, in how this goes because yes, they're making the buying decisions on this tool and on this on this solution, but the people at you know the tactical level are the ones that are going to be using it. So uh, getting full buy-in from from top down or from bottom up uh, is absolutely crucial for, for any kind of project. So someone else, yes, sir. Quite often, uh, actually, and I think you know, Swan Leap actually probably talked about this yesterday in their speeches. It's be able to, to quiet all the noise uh, and separate who's really who's really fact and who's really fiction. Um, you also have the, I mean, they need to really peel back the layers of this of this data. So, um, trying to understand why, why why is it this tool that you want to implement? What what about it? Well, this it looks cool. That's. It's great. It looks like it looks like it works for our business. Okay. Well, why is that? Um, I mean, I think that's in any like agile function of project management. It's, it's it's constantly asking the question of why, 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 and really getting down to the heart of the business and why this is, is really important. So when you do that, you really kind of discover. Okay. Yes, the AI and predictive analytics is where you want to be in two years, maybe three years. But we also have like five other things that we need to address first before we get there. So. Yes, sir. Sure. 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 Uh, this was actually uh, kind of as a result of the project. So um, we launched this pilot project with two carriers and three traffic lanes from Michigan to Kansas City, Michigan to, let's say, Indiana. Uh, and that was the start. And we just built on top of that. The director of transportation eventually added more lanes. So now we're adding more data. So when we dive into the weights of the products that are stored in three separate locations, the ERP, the separate Excel sheet, why they created it, nobody knows. And then the sales agreement. The sales sales agreement <laughs> the sales agreement has one number the Excel sheet has another number and the Excel sheet or the ERP may match up or the sales agreement and the ERP may match up so it's determining which one is right so it's diving into this uh, and seeing which of these numbers is incorrect and having to go back in and manually adjust it so those numbers will report correctly so it was kind of a surprise when you start to dive into it I mean because utilization numbers were improving they were at 65%. I think the target was 85%, and the last I saw was around 82, 83. So, still having to ask those questions. It's kind of an unfortunate byproduct of the project that they didn't realize this actually was a problem. Truck utilization was a problem, but master data really is a problem that they're, they're addressing right now very, very attentively. Did that answer your question?
I can't speak to the, to the resources, but it definitely has caught in the attention of management uh, at a lot of levels for them to really pay attention to this. Because we're, we're simply talking about the master data around full truckload. What about LTL? What about ocean? What about air? What about rail? What about interplant movements? What about, I don't know, parcel, for that matter. So it's, if we've identified it in full truckload, it's more than likely a problem in the rest of those modes. So um, how they start to navigate that is really up to them. It could be ocean, because that's a really expensive mode of transportation. But they, are, they have become more curious. Yes, sir. Any more questions? Well, again, thank you guys for coming. I hope you really enjoyed the show. Uh, and uh, have a safe trip home if you're flying anywhere. And I'll be here to answer any questions.